Happy New Year, Woodland Hills. It, uh, good to welcome in the new year with uh, good old Minnesota winter temperatures. Uh, we might actually hit zero today, so that, that's a plus. But if you're feeling uh, like it's, if you're inclined to complain about the weather, just think about the poor folks over in Verhoyansk, Russia, where I, I, I keep track of these things on my, my weather app. I just like to find out the coldest places on the planet. Uh, where people live, because it makes me feel better. So I just thinking about those folks, pray for them. Their high today is, is 55 below zero. So, yeah, people live there. It's crazy. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, let us hope that this year will be better than last year. Though that's probably setting the bar pretty low. <laughs> so the same thing about last year. I, I almost wanted to say, you know, hey, at least we talk about being anxious about the world affairs. And in light of that, I, I almost want to say, hey, it, it, at least it can't get any worse. But that's what I said the last two years, so I'm going to just shut up about that. Uh, but let, let's, let, let's hope it's uh, going to be a better one. Uh, we're start our, starting off kind of on the wrong foot. Uh, I'm sure m most of you know that all the experts are saying that we are, not right now, embarking on uh, what uh, Professor Osterholm calls a, a viral blizzard uh, with this Omicron. It's going to be kind of a whiteout. And so for the next three, four weeks, uh, it's, it's going to be pretty crazy. If you have anything on the schedule, uh, I'd pencil it in, uh, pen it in, because it's going to be a lot of things in flux. And I know, you know, I don't know about you, but I am so, so sick of this plague. I'm just, somebody say amen. Uh, and we're all tired and, you know, but I encourage us as we're, hopefully this is the last leg of a very long marathon, let's hope, uh, but uh, be safe. Just be safe, uh, be wise, not just for your sake. Maybe you're healthy and the Omicron virus doesn't look like it's as lethal as Delta, and so you're not worried about yourself, and that's fine, but for the sake of others, because a lot of folks have vulnerable folks that they have to interact with. And, uh, and so always be mindful of others uh, as you're going out about in this world. Well, we're uh, going back to the Sermon on the Mount, which we've been at for a year and a half now. And uh, we're coming up to the section on the, on the Sermon on the Mount, which deals with the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, some call it. And um, so we thought it'd be good to have a series on prayer. Um, and it just seems really fitting as we're entering into this new year to, to be talking about prayer. I just have had a sense of gravitas about this series. I feel like God wants to challenge us, congregation, podgregation, all of us, um, to up the ante in our prayer lives. And uh, that's what the series is kind of going to be about. Uh, so we're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. We'll be chewing on this section of Scripture for the next couple of weeks. And here's what it says. Jesus says, whenever you pray, pause, just note, he assumes you're going to be praying. To be a follower of Jesus is to be a prayer warrior. So whenever you pray, it doesn't say if you pray, it's whenever. Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Oh, God. Oh, look how holy that guy is. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. They're doing it, if you're doing it to get attention, then when you get your attention and get your applause or whatever you're looking for, well, that is your reward. Stops there. But whenever you pray, Jesus says, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He's simply saying that there's a benefit uh, to praying with no ulterior motives. No one knows it. That's part of what it makes it special. Uh, 
there's a benefit there. There's a benefit to you. You grow, but there's also a benefit to the world. You get to be used to help impact the world through the power of prayer. And then Jesus says, when you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. I'm thinking here of, you know, sometimes people when they go to pray, especially if it's in public, there's a special language they use. It's kind of like all of a sudden God is, is, is pronounced G-A-W-D, God. And it's like, oh God, we beseech thee from on high through the wither come hither and, and whatever. And you use this kind of special language. Jesus is simply saying, keep it simple. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. And so he's saying, keep it real, keep it simple. Um, talk natural. You're talking to your best friend. Talk natural. And then Jesus turns our attention from our individual prayer life to communal prayer. And this is the Our Father. The Our is a plural. And so this is a prayer that's that it's for congregations, for, for groups that come together. You can pray it on your own, of course. But, but uh, as, as Jesus is teaching it here, it's, it's a, a corporate prayer. And he's not saying you have to always say these exact words. This is a, a paradigmatic prayer. This is the kind of things that, that a prayer should consist in. So he says, pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That just means we commit to keeping your name holy, distinct, separate, not mixing it up with all the affairs of this world and our opinions about the affairs of this world. Keep the Father's name holy. He says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus is here using, uh, it's called parallelism, where you say the same thing in two different ways. So when he says, let your kingdom come, and let your will be done, those are the same thing. Uh, to the extent that God's will is being done here on earth as it is in heaven, his kingdom has come. His kingdom is where his will is being carried out. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, forgive, as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rather rescue us from the evil one. All right. Prayer is simply talking to God. Simply communicating with God. And there's a lot of different types of prayers and a lot of different ways of praying. And, and I encourage folks to be exploring different ways, uh, looking into different ways. In some ways, talking with God can be sort of like talking to your spouse or talking to a close friend. It can become rote if you just keep on, if you never change it up. And so experiment with different ways of praying. I have this last four months, or five months, I guess, it's been since August, I just felt led by God. He's doing something in my life, and I'm not sure where it's going or how long it's going to be, but I'm in a different kind of a season uh, where I have felt led to, I've all my life, since discovering philosophy, just been a bookworm. And I'm always, you know, focal part of my day is studying stuff and writing stuff, and that's always been kind of a centerpiece of my life. And I have felt called to let that go for, for a season. And to s slow down, not be so task-oriented, and, and take time for other things. My wife loves it. And I'm playing board games more, and I'm just, you know, just going a little key. But one of the things I felt led to do was uh, to take my dog out to, on walks uh, to regional parks. I, I usually just walk around the block for a little bit, you know, and that's, but now we, we're, we're, I've been going to parks five, six days a week. And we'll walk for an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours. Uh, out in nature. Do you, you know, we've got, in, in the Twin Cities here, uh, there's over 500 different trails to go on. And some of them are just beautiful. And so I have an app that shows me kind of where the local 
parks are, and, and we, we just go on adventures, different parks and stuff. Our, our, our cutoff is 20 degrees. If it gets below that, with the wind chill, then we don't go out. But if it's above 20, we go out for walks. Um, I, I find that I have to pay attention to how I walk if I'm going to do this. I've got a back condition, and if I don't pay attention, the, the little jarrings of your feet, as, like I normally just kind of clog along, and those little jars start to make my back hurt in about a half hour. So I have to walk very smoothly. I, I call it Tai Chi walking. If you, you know Tai Chi, where, that's where they go, the, the kind of slow motions and stuff. Well, when I'm walking out in the park, I, 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 I make sure I'm rolling off my feet, heel toe, heel toe. And I walk very smooth, and I let my quads absorb any kind of shock that happens when I'm walking. And, and if I do that, if I'm mindful of that, if I remember to pay attention to that, I can go for up to two hours. Um, and, and so I, 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 as a way of staying present and remembering that, I, what I've done is I've just turned that into kind of a prayer. And as I'm walking, I, I t pay attention to how I'm walking. I try to do it so smoothly. But I, I try to focus just on the present moment. Forget everything about the future. Forget everything about the past. And pour 100% of your consciousness into just now. Taking in all the details of now. Just observing it. Trying to quiet the inner commentary so I just experience this. And the whole time I'm walking, I'm simply saying, thank you, God, that I get to experience this. I get to experience this, and I just try to soak into this, this being in the now. Uh, this is sometimes called practicing the presence of God because I'm always aware that the, the, the canvas against which the scene is being painted is the presence of God. And so I'll sometimes as I'm walking, I'll just be saying, in, in, in him I live and move and have my being, or in her I live and ha move and have my being. I'm always surrounded by the presence of God and I'm just soaking this in. And it has been changing me. It, it just calms me down. It, it's... My wife's noticed it, uh, that there's a, a calmness about me. I'm not so driven. I'm just so more laid back. Hi, honey. You like our board games and card games that we're playing more? Uh, it, it's, it's been wonderful. And I bring that up just to say this. I mean, it's a good practice to practice the presence of God, and you can do it all the time. In fact, it's good as you're driving, just be aware of God's presence. Wherever you are, be aware of God's presence. But the main point I want to make right out of the gate is don't get stuck in one mode. Prayer doesn't have to just look like kneeling by your bedside at night. Uh, uh, mix it up. Try different things. Explore. Read. These classes will help you be introduced to new ways of, of praying, different ways, different spiritual disciplines that you can incorporate in, in into your life. So that kind of prayer that I do when I'm out walking with the dog uh, is usually called con contemplative prayer or meditative prayer because you're just focused on like one truth, one reality, and, and you just focus your mind on that. Uh, imaginative prayer is another kind of, of, of prayer. It's one that I use the most, where you, you imagine, ask the Holy Spirit to help you imagine Jesus. And, and, and you have a real encounter with Jesus in the inner sanctuary of your imagination. And that's the kind of prayer I usually go to. I'm finding I connect with God very differently in nature than I, than, than I do when I'm doing uh, 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 imaginative prayer. Though both of them are absolutely wonderful, but in different ways. Uh, another kind of prayer is, I mentioned imaginary prayer, Im imaginative prayer. There's also friendship prayer or conversational prayer. And this is where you just talk to God throughout the day. The good news is that wherever you go, you're always in the presence of your best friend. And uh, friends talk. And so you invite God into your inner thought processes as you're going about the day. You just talk to him. And not only talk to him, but also listen. And listen to the promptings of your heart. This is how the Holy Spirit usually uh, works with us. And, and, and obey the promptings of your heart when you feel led to do something. And now, now you're functioning as the, the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ. Because you're connected to the head and he can direct your path. 
You're not caught up in your own little thoughts. You're, you're, you're inviting the kingdom into those thoughts. And now you give space for the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and direct you. And then the, the kind of prayer that most people are most familiar with is what's sometimes called petitionary prayer or intercessory prayer. You intercede on behalf of others. I'll later on in the message uh, suggest that a better term, I think, would be partnering prayer. But uh, this, is, this is just prayer where you ask God for things. And this is what's going on with the Lord's Prayer. It, you're, we're asking that God's kingdom come, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're making this petition. You're asking God for things. Now this kind of prayer is problematic for some people, myself being one of them, or it has been in the past. Um, some things about it just didn't sit well. Like sometimes when you hear people praying petitionary prayers, um, it, it almost sounds like they're a little kid in a candy store trying to twist dad's arm to get him something. God, will you just give me this new house? I really want this new house. Can you just give me this new house? And they throw in a new car by, by, along, along the way. And I could use a new suit too. And can I get a better job and get a little more money? And gimme, gimme, gimme. Um, it's this, reminds me of the old Janis Joplin song that I know you, all you guys are too uh, young to remember. But it goes, oh Lord, won't you buy me a... Mercedes-Benz. Okay, some of the old folks know what I'm talking about. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make, is it make amends? Okay, maybe I must make amends, whatever that means. Anyways, even when people are praying for serious stuff, um, it sometimes feels like they're, they're, they're begging God. Like, God, please heal my daughter. Please, please, you know, find my lost dog. Please end this pandemic. And, and you, you get the picture of God up in heaven kind of like thinking, well, I could if I wanted to, but yeah, I beg a little harder. Please! Yeah, a, little, a little more. Maybe I'll do it. And it, it, that's not the picture that you get of, of, of God when, you're, when your focus is on Jesus Christ. It, it's like if God is all good and all loving, wouldn't God already be doing the best wherever God can do? I mean, wouldn't he already be trying to heal your daughter? Wouldn't he already be looking for your helping you find the lost dog and ending the pandemic? Which raises another question, and that is, why pray? This is the one that used to trip me up. Because if what I'm asking God to do is good, well then if he's all good, he's already going to do it. And if what I'm asking God to do is not all good, then he's not going to do it even though I ask him. So what possible purpose could talking to God have? What good could petitionary prayer do? It feels like a pro forma activity. You're just going through the motions. It's a religious duty. But it can't possibly make any difference in the world. Sometimes Christians will say, well, you know, we don't pray to influence God because God is sovereign. And we don't pray to change the world because, well, God is sovereign. So we pray to change us. We, cha we, cha we pray to change ourselves. Which sounds pretty pious. It's true that prayer does change us. But it's also the case that throughout the Bible, we don't pray just to have our attitudes towards things change. We pray because it makes a difference. Throughout the Bible, you find that Prayer is a really important thing in terms of bringing things to come to pass. In James 5, it says that the, the righteous, the, the, the fervent prayer of the righteous accomplishes much. And James is here talking about praying for the sick. He says the prayer of faith will save the sick. He doesn't say the prayer of faith will change your attitude towards the sick. No, it's to bring healing to the person who's sick. It's powerful and it accomplishes much. I don't think there's ever a wasted prayer. When you're talking to Abba Father, um, it, it always leaves the world different. And so it sounds pious, but it's just not biblical. The Lord's Prayer, we're praying, Father, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That only makes sense if the Father's will is not consistently being done in this world already. 
if everything that's going on here is all the Father's doing, some Christians believe that it's all predestined, well, now you've got to really wonder what purpose could prayer have, because nothing can change if God's predestined it. So the only answer they can give is, well, it doesn't change the world, but it changes us. But biblically speaking, no, it, it brings about the Father's will where the Father's will wasn't being enacted before. It makes a difference. It's important. So that's why we pray. And that's the, the scope of prayer. And this whole sermon is going to be about petitioner, intercessory, or partnering prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Um, yeah, let, let your kingdom come. It, it's because it's not being done already. So it's not about trying to twist dad's arm to, to, to get God to do our will. It's about us bringing our will into alignment with the Father's will, that his will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not treating God like an ATM machine or Santa Claus. No, it's to get his will done on earth as it is in heaven, not God to do our will on earth as it is in our own hearts. So, by God's own design, prayer helps bring about God's will on earth as it is in heaven. That's his purpose. Our prayer makes an actual difference in the actual world. And you see this throughout the Bible. Huge things hang in the balance on whether or not the people of God will pray. Praying makes a huge difference in bringing about the Father's will, but lack of prayer also makes a huge difference in not bringing about the Father's will where the Father wants his will to be done. Uh, a really good example of this is found in Ezekiel chapter 22. Listen to what it says. Here the, the Lord is depicted as saying, The people of the land have practiced extortion and committed robbery. They have oppressed the poor and the needy. They have extorted from the alien without redress. And these are the things, by the way, that are always mentioned when nations are in trouble. Worth noting. And I sought for anyone among them who would repair the wall and stand in the breach before me on behalf of the land, so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. Let me first say that the Lord did not destroy the land. We're talking about Jerusalem here. The Babylonians did. Nebuchadnezzar did. Uh, but see, the Israelites, by pushing God away, by practicing extortion on the alien and, and not taking care of the poor and the needy and, and so on, they pushed God away. And in terms of the Old Covenant, to push God away is to push all your protection away, which leaves you vulnerable to these other nations who can now carry out their designs on you. And so the Lord never lifted a finger against Jerusalem. Uh, and that, all of that was done by Bab the Babylonians and, and by, who was led, led by King Nebuchadnezzar. What the Lord did was, with a grieving heart, had to turn his people over to the consequences of their own decision. That's how God always brings judge judgment. But it's clear in the Ezekiel passage that God didn't want to do this. It, it's, in, in Lamentations it says that, that, that uh, allowing affliction to happen to people is never God's uh, will. It, 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 he does it reluctantly. God didn't want to do this, so he looked for somebody to stand in the gap, to repair the wall. Uh, whatever else that includes, it includes it being an intercessor in prayer, interceding on behalf of Israel the way Moses did back in Exodus 32. And the Lord's saying, if someone, if I could have found someone, that this, this disaster could have been avoided, this judgment wouldn't have come on the land. Which means that really the ultimate reason why Jerusalem was ransacked was brought under judgment, was not because of the robbery and extortion and because they didn't take care of the needy and the poor, although that warrants judgment, but the ultimate cause of it was lack of prayer. Lack of prayer. Um, huge things hang in the balance. You find this throughout the Bible. There's these if-then statements associated with prayer. The most famous probably being Second uh, Chronicles 7, where the Lord says, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, then will they hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. 
But the clear implication is that if the people of God don't pray, then the land won't be healed. Use things hanging the balance on whether or not the people of God pray. Now you might ask the question, why would God leverage so much on prayer? I mean, the fate of a nation. Do we dare believe that that could hang in the balance on whether the people of God pray? Why would God do that? And there's two answers that I give, and they're actually two sides of the same coin. The first is, is this. God, the triune God, is a relational God, a God of love. And everything God does, he does out of love. And therefore, everything God does, God does out of relationship. God doesn't like to monopolize. He's relational. That's, that's what love is. And God is love. Um, and, and, and so God creates us. Gives, and it gives us a, a, a domain of say-so. Uh, we've, we've got our own agency. We've got free will. We can make decisions. And those decisions make a difference in this world. This is our domain of influence. Everyone's got a domain of influence. Uh, and, 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 and how you think and how you speak and how you act, it, it, that affects everything else, for better or for worse. So we've got to say so. And God's hope in giving us this agency, this free will, is that we will choose to bring our say-so in line with God's will. And to the degree that we do that, but only to the degree that we do that, is God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. He makes us his partners to carry out his will here on, on, on the earth. So he wants us to bring this in. And to the degree that, that, that God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven, things go harmoniously. To the degree that things are rather done according to our own will, to the degree that we use our will at cross purposes with God for our own reasons, to that degree things get screwed up. It really is that simple. So what God is hoping for in giving us the say-so is that we'll be partners with God. Paul uses this term uh, in 2 Corinthians 6. He uses this several times. Here's one of them. He says, as God's co-workers, uses the word synergeo there, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. As God's co-workers. The word synergeo comes from the prefix sin, S-Y-N, not S-I-N, S-Y-N. And uh, um, it means to bring alongside of. Uh, synonymous, example, or synergy, or, or synchronicity, or so on and so on, uh, to bring alongside of. And the word for um, worker is, is ergos. We get the word energy from it. And so it, it's, it, it means energy or work. And so when we bring our say-so, our energy, our work, what we're able to do alongside God and under his will, we become his partners. And now we are used to carry out his will on earth as it is in heaven. We've got that say-so on a physical level. We all know that. What we think, what we say, what we do in our bodies makes a difference, for better or for worse. It impacts the world to some degree. And we know that things genuinely hang in the balance on how we use our say-so on a physical plane. Uh, if someone's going to get drunk and go out and driving, well, someone's life might hang in the balance on what that person decides to do. Our decisions have implications for others. So we have that on a physical level. But what a lot of people don't know is that we ha also have a huge domain of say-so on a spiritual level. And that's what prayer is all about. That's what talking to God is all about. To say so. By God's own design, talking with God accomplishes a whole lot of things. And this leads to the second aspect of uh, the reason why I think God leverages so much on, on prayer. First reason being, he wants, he, he wants people to have say-so. He wants to be, us to be persons who make a difference. The second reason is this. God creates out of love— er, Everything he does is out of love, and, and, and it, the ultimate purpose is to replicate that love, to expand that love. So he creates us out of love for the purpose of inviting us in on, on a relationship. 
And see, what a lot of, what most women I think know intuitively, and most of us men have to learn along the way, is that relationships are all about communication. Women say amen. Uh, uh, it's all about communication. If you and I are in a loving relationship, then who I truly am is being communicated to you, and who you truly are is being communicated to me. Not just with words, but everything we do expresses who we are to the other person. That's what it is to be in a love relationship. And so if relationship is the point of the whole thing, both individually and corporately, God wants a relationship with us, a loving relationship that mirrors the, the, the love that he is. If that's the bullseye, then it makes sense that God would hardwire it into the cosmos that communicating with God is very, very important. And so when we communicate with God, when we are strengthening this relationship by talking with God, it has an impact. It releases a kingdom influence into this world that otherwise wouldn't be there. And so your, your domain of say-so is also your domain of responsibility. Because that's the potential you have to make the world better or worse by what you think, what you say, what you do, and whether or not you pray. And so prayer is part of our privilege and part of our responsibility to impact the world in accordance with, 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 with God's will. Say-so is our privilege and our responsibility. Uh, a, a really good book on prayer, I'll just do a little advertisement here. It's called... It's by Paul Bilheimer, B-I-L-L-H-E-I-M-E-R, and it's called Destined for the Throne. And I, I found this book to be helpful years ago in kind of framing what prayer is. He says this. He notices that in the New Testament, um, the goal of the bride of Christ, one of the things that, that we'll be doing when the kingdom comes in fullness, is that we'll be, we're co-rulers with God. Uh, Paul says this in, in, in uh, 2 Timothy. He says, if we endure... We will also reign with him. The ultimate goal is to reign with him. Uh, in Revelation 20, we read, Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, for they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Now, I don't want to get caught up in the symbolism of a thousand years, whatever, but, but just get this point, that the goal is for us to be sitting on the throne with him. God wants a bride who's a co-ruler. Hilda, he runs the whole cosmos. Our job is to take care of this planet. It goes back to our original mandate in Genesis 1, where God gives us dominion over the earth and the animal kingdom. And we're to carry out this, this dominion in the loving way that God has dominion over us. So we express his character and how we care for the earth and the animal kingdom. Well, in, when the kingdom comes in fullness, I don't know all that we'll be ruling, but it will certainly include the earth and the animal kingdom. And the goal is to reign with him. So Paul Billheimer proposes that prayer is our exercising our co-rulership with God. When we pray, we're saying, yes, Lord, here's a situation that, that is not in line with your will, but we agree with you that your will is to bring healing to this person or to save this marriage or to uh, go against the fires that are raging in, in Colorado or that we're raging in Colorado or whatever situation is out of line with God's will, we partner with God to bring about his will here. He uses this analogy of a, of a, of a trust fund that needs to be co-signed. Uh, there's some trust funds where, unless you have both signatures, the funds won't be released. And so he says, God has set aside a, a, like a reservoir of say-so, a reservoir of power, of influence in the heavenly realms. And, and, and so he's already signed on that. That's God's will as it is in heaven. Our job is to say yes to it so that now that will gets released here on earth. And so when we talk with God, when the bride agrees, when we're partnering with God the way God created us and saved us to partner with him, uh, it releases a kingdom influence in the situation that we're praying about, and it makes a difference. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Uh, and, and a lot of things can hang in the balance on that. So I want to 
end by asking two questions here. And, and I, I, I will tell you again that I feel a certain gravity about this. Like, listen carefully. And this is for everybody who's aligned with, 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 with Woodland Hills and anyone else who's visiting. Take these words very seriously. First question. Ask God, and be honest about this, that have you been partnering with God to the extent that God would like to be partnering with you? Are you talking with God? Are you integrating that into your life? It's an easy thing to lose the habit of. You have to keep it up. Um, about eight years ago or so, I, I, I had kind of fallen out of the habit. My prayer life had kind of diminished. It just kind of was like, yeah, kind of cold. And a dear friend, uh, the Lord put it on her heart to say something to me, and she said, you know, I feel like I have a word for you, and it's that the Father would like more time with you. And it really hit. It, it really landed. Does the Father want more time with you? Um, ask the question, who, who is your domain of responsibility and your domain of influence in prayer? Because you can't pray for everything, right? You can't take responsibility for everything. Who and what are you to be praying for? We're, we're, we always recommend and suggest people be, you know, be good stewards of God's resources. You know, and, and seek God's direction on how you should steward your financial resources. But the same is true of our time. It's a finite resource. And so ask God how, not only how much you're supposed to pray, but, but, but who you're to be taking responsibility for as you pray. I, I find that, uh, my own, I, I, I consider whenever I hear a siren, uh, I have a responsibility to pray for that, that person. If I'm walking down the street and, and there's somebody hurting and I can do something about it, wouldn't you agree that I'm responsible to do something about it? Well, as a kingdom person, I know I've got this reservoir of power that I get to have access to to release in this world. And so here I hear a siren. That means it's not good news for somebody. And so I just pray over that. Uh, I don't do this all the time, but a lot of times when I'm just walking about in public, I consider every person I meet to be someone I'm responsible to bless. And so I encourage you to, to as you're driving the car or walking about, just Quietly be blessing the people that are, are uh, all, all around you. Agree with God about that they have unsurpassable worth. Collapse all your judgments, whatever you think you notice, it's irrelevant, and just bless them and pray for them. Release, release a little kingdom influence in their life. We're always to be other-oriented, and so let's use our authority in other-oriented ways, just to be blessing the people that we come in contact with. And then, of course, I, I have a list of family and friends and neighbors that I feel led to take responsibility for and pray on a regular basis. And I encourage every kingdom person, I've shared this quite often, having a daily practice to pray for the three or four or five people that you have the hardest time praying for. Uh, the person that you have the hardest time loving. Maybe that you're tempted, if you were to let yourself go, you actually despise this person, you loathe them. Pray for that person. It might be a personal person in your life that's just driving you crazy, or maybe it's a politician that drives you nuts. There's a lot of those to go around these days. Uh, you know, it could be a national enemy or whatever, but that's how we learn how to love our enemies. And you, you pray blessing on them. Um, and at first it can feel like pulling teeth, but man, does that do good for your heart. You're strengthening a muscle there that needs to be strengthened. You're going to be an uh, effective kingdom person. So, question number one is, on a personal level, go to God and, and really submit your prayer life to Him and, and follow the Spirit. Maybe the Spirit will lead you to do something very different. Like going out for a walk with your dog five days a week out in the woods. Follow the Spirit. He'll lead you. Secondly, what I just said about individuals. 
applies to any social unit we are, that we're in uh, where the kingdom is the focus. Uh, families, uh, spiritual friendships, we encourage people to enter into those. We have some uh, accountability and talk with one another or, or close-knit covenant communities. I encourage you to integrate prayer into your life together to the point where it becomes natural. Um, it, it, it's, uh, you say it straight, you say it natural. When something happens, you say, Lord, help this situation. And, and, and make it part of your everyday life. Families, I encourage you, starting at a very young age, teach your kids. If you've got kids, teach the kids about the authority they have in prayer. There's no minimal age limit put on uh, uh, being used in the kingdom. And so when little Johnny's four or five years old, you can say, you know what? And make it a positive thing. You get to partner with God, the creator of the universe. He listens to you, and you've got an authority to help people and to bless people. And then in an age-appropriate way, teach them about their responsibility in prayer. Um, to notice the kid who's sitting alone and the kid who maybe no one else likes and, and to be praying for them and maybe the Spirit will lead them to go over and sit next to them in the cafeteria. Uh, but but it, it's, you're never too young to, to, to be growing into the kingdom and learning about the power of prayer and the difference that you get to make. I, I encourage you to, in fact, this is the most important thing, for parents to illustrate this with your kids because faith is always caught far more than it's taught. And so as you go about your life, when you hear a siren, say, Lord, just make it natural. It's like breathing. Lord, just bless that, that, that whoever's in trouble there. You know, we, or maybe you want to ask your child, hey, would you like to pray for whoever's in trouble here? And, and, and have them do it. But be modeling this for them. Uh, it, 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 it should be as natural conversing with God as it's conversing with a friend. I wish I had done more of this when I, when I, I was raising our kids. Now, with Shelly and I, it's just like natural. We, we, we don't even like think about it. We're driving along and we see someone in trouble and we just like, Lord, just bless that person and, and help them out there. And we hear a sign, we say, bless that person. And see a person walking on the street, we just say, Lord, bless that person, you know, release the kingdom influence in their life. And it's just, it's just natural. The more we can decompartmentalize our conversing with God and our living our daily lives, the more those two things can be integrated, the more holistic we're going to be, the more effective we're going to be, the more power is going to be released in the kingdom. We've always said here at Woodland Hills that there's nothing that happens of kingdom value without it being covered in prayer. And that's a value I want to hang on tight. I'm not going to say let's make 2022 be the year of prayer. Every year should be the year of prayer. But I am really feeling intensely this, as the senior pastor of Woodland Hills Church, I feel this burden of responsibility of saying, folks, it's time to up our game on prayer and step this up individually and collectively and corporately. Amen. 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 So I want to end by having us pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, it was designed for communal prayer, and so let's do this together. And pod, pod listeners, I want to encourage you to join us in this and to say it out loud. Uh, here's a little, I'll give this for free, no extra charge. Uh, praying out loud, uh, it, it, it tends to have more power than praying silently. Now, part of that's because when we talk with other people, we say it out loud. And so it feels more real when you're saying it out loud than when you're thinking it. You can still think prayers, and there's times where you should think prayers. You don't want to be having a conversation with Abba Father while you're in Walmart, and people think you're a little Looney Tune or something. Uh, but, but, but all other things being equal, vocalize it. And so here's the thing. There's a spiritual unity that we have, and the power of prayer that we have that is non-local. It doesn't matter where you are. When, in praying this prayer, we are right alongside each other. I don't care if you're over there in Hong Kong or Bangladesh or New Zealand. Uh, we're, we're, we're together in the spiritual realm. So could we stand, if, if you're able?
And I'd like just to pray this prayer, the Our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen. Amen. All right, prayer warriors, go out, love on the world, and use your say-so in the heavenly realm to bless others. Amen? God bless.